So before we get into the newest episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, we record this podcast several weeks in advance, so that way me and Chris have some like leeway time to edit and make outlines and stuff like that. But because of that, whenever I get a new patron, it's going to be a few weeks before I announce them in show. But I do want to go ahead and take this moment to say, hello there, Brian. General Kenobi. <laughs> Welcome to my newest patron, Brian. The reason I went a little Star Wars there for half a second is because Brian's a friend of mine. He's also an Obi-Wan cosplayer. So I just wanted to say hi, Brian. Thank you for supporting the show. Thanks for supporting me. You are the best. You know how, you know, I love you guys. So I just wanted to say thank you for joining. And in a few weeks, you will be officially announced in show, but I wanted to go ahead and say hi now. All right, you guys, enjoy Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons episode. I don't, I don't have the episode. What episode? I think it's Fight Fighters. Uh, well, we'll see. What the hell is this? Oh, this is so boring. What else is on? everyone, welcome to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Wallenax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, after being challenged to a fight by Wendy's boyfriend, Robbie, Dipper is shocked when his favorite fight fighter's fighter, Rumble McSkirmage, comes to life to defend him. We're talking about Grouty Falls fight fighters this week. Hi, Chris! Hello! I mean, this doesn't affect listeners, but we we took a little two week break from Gravity Falls, so it's nice to be back. Yeah, I just watched I just watched the show a little while ago too, so I got it fresh on my brain. I'm I'm actually super excited because during our little two week hiatus, I went to the secondhand mm-hmm. bookstore and I bought Journal Number Three for like four dollars, and it's so cool, Chris. It's so cool. <laughs> I have like twelve tabs sticking out of it with notes. And, for future episodes, and, and for and for this episode too, because the thing about Journal Number Three is, so the first half of the book is all the notes from the author that we see Dipper like referring to in the show, and then in the second half of the the book, it's Dipper's notes and about like different things that have happened. So, for example, because last week last time we did a time traveling pig. And it turns out in those earlier episodes with Blendon Blandon, when he was in the first three episodes, Dipper saw him, but he would only see like the top of him and then he would vanish. So Dipper thought Blendon was a ghost. And, and so he finally found out that he was, you know, a time traveler. Like, for example, he wrote, uh, this was for Headhunters with the Wax Figure episode. Uh, June 7th, something extra weird happened today at, grand, at the grand unveiling of Stan Wax's Museum of Mystery. I think I might have seen a ghost. Um, and then it has a pap- like a picture of Blendon, and it says, Stan was telling some of his corny jokes and getting the standard audience reaction, dead silence. When I spotted a strange figure in the back of the crowd, he was bald and very pale, mostly gray and white. He was hiding something in his hand, but I couldn't make it out. Suddenly he ran to the forest, and there was a flash of light, and he was gone. There is a large section of ghosts in this journal that I need to read ASAP. I need to prepare in case it appears again. 
So it's just cool stuff because there's a, like a lot of, like uh, at times uh, Mabel colors into the journal too. Like there's a whole thing about her LSD trip during the convenience store episode. But I think my favorite one was oh, yeah, her, well, it was candy, but yeah, her LSD trip basically. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, from the episode double double dipper with the clones, uh, Dipper number three and Dipper number four came back and they gave their their self the names. Tracy and Quattro, so now they're Tracy and Quattro. <laughs> That's their names now. They ended up running away when they saw Dipper dissolve their their clone brothers. And then when Dipper showed up, just happened to be holding a soda, they ran in fear. And Dipper wrote, I came back from the party and I heard myself arguing with myself in the closet. I opened to find three and four inside. I was so happy to see those guys. I'd forgotten all about them. They took one lo- look at the pit cola in my hand, freaked out, and said, You'll never get us! And ran out of the room into the woods before I had the chance. I'm kind of worried about those dudes. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. On the bright side, guess who danced with Wendy? <laughs> So it's like, then there's so many other adventures that are written in here too. So it's just really cool. So there's a lot of spoilers in here, so I can't. There's certain sections I just can't read to you. But um, I thought it would be cool to have a new segment into the show where I read Dipper's journal entries or the the author's journal entries when it pertains to the episodes. Excellent. Yeah, so we'll get there. But I don't you have know. A maybe, reference now. I know it's so cool. They really put a lot of work into this because depending on who's writing, like the author writes in cursive. Dipper has very basic at writing. Um, I think Seuss at one point writes on it in this too. Oh, this is, that, 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 that's a very like common style nowadays for kids' books. I, you know, like as a kid, I would have eaten that that up. You know, like journal journals are self-written, like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books and stuff like yeah. that. They're the Origami Yoda books and stuff like that, where it's just sort of a a journal with the kids' pictures in them and and stuff like that. It's it's always that that stuff really appeals to kids in the age group of that would be watching Gravity Falls. I think there's also a special edition one. Yeah, it's like two hundred dollars, but oh jeez, um, but it has uh, invisible ink, so you can read it with a black light. And so there's extra secrets when you read it with a black light. And they only they made like. A limited copy. It was only a special edition release. Um, this is not this version. <laughs> it better come with its own blacklight. Uh, let's see. It came with a... I, I don't think it came... It might have came with the monocle, too. Because journal number three has a monocle. But my version doesn't. But it actually doesn't say anything here. But yeah, like it's uh, $200. <laughs> there it is. So, anyway, we'll get to reading the journal when we get to that new segment. Um, you ready to talk some Gravity Falls? I'm ready. Did you like this episode? I did like this episode. It's fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> sort of. It's just sort of like uh, Dipper gets his Dipper gets his own um, Pacifica character. <laughs> you know, you're right. I didn't think of it that way, but you are right. All right, you ready? <clears throat> yep. Fight Fighters is the 10th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on September 14th, 2012. Happy birthday to my sister in 2012. That's my sister's birthday. It was written by Zach Pies and Alex Hirsch. It was directed by John Aoshima, and the storyboard artists were Mark Garcias and Eric Fountain. Some extra information for you. 
Rumble McSkirmish is voiced by Brian Bloom. He's a prominent soap opera actor as well as a video game voice actor for games like Call of Duty, Dragon Age, and he's also the voice of Captain America in several Marvel video games. The pixel sprites were animated by Paul Robertson, who, was, who also designed sprites for video games like Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game, and Fez. There are so many nods to video games in this episode. It would take me so long to list every single reference. But some of the more prominent ones are as followed. The title of this episode is A Night to Street Fighters, along with Rumble's design and movements being a nod to Ryu and Ken. Rumble throwing barrels at Robbie, who has to jump over them, is a nod to Donkey Kong. When Rumble fights Robbie, the finish him is from Mortal Kombat. During the end credit segment with Dipper, Mabel, Stan, and Wendy are 8-bit figures. There are several nods to Super Mario Brothers games, including the episode's ending cryptogram. <sighs> so many references. Well, as always with Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, well, I normally say we break this into three parts, but it's four parts now because we have a journal. So part yep. one, we're... We're going to talk about stories, themes, and character. Part two, I'm going to read Dipper's journal entries. Part three will be Chris's speculation corner. And part four will be the cipher and Instagram. Instagram. What? The cipher and cryptogram corner. <laughs> <laughs> With Instagram. Read about please. it on Instagram. <laughs> Apparently. All right, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode? The, my three favorite things were all video game things. One, North. Six. It's drawn backwards. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> and, and and the bike's like tripping over the, the curb of the other bike. It was just an, and yeah, I just, no, I used to play Tron all the time. So it was always good. As soon as I saw the light cycles, it said Nort. I'm like, oh, Tron backwards. And, and also like the fact that Seuss wanted to go into the game is like the plot of Tron. <laughs> but my, my favorite game was Insert Coin. I thought I that was, that's the best gag of the whole show is Insert Coin. Winner. And my the other thing I know I, I just love whenever whenever it was necessary the eight bit music that they composed for this is really good. Yes. It, it sounds like it sounds like other Gravity Falls music, but it's totally eight bit and it's in the, it has a very video game feel to it. So it's just really nicely done. They also use two different. That, one of my notes is they use two different styles of animation. Which is why they had to have special animation with eight, with an eight bit designer to be on top of the traditional animation that they use. So they're actually blending two different styles of mm -hmm. animation for this episode, and it's really nice. I, I think the part that I really noticed it is when Rumble is holding the Robbie's flyer for his band, and the flyer against Rumble's body clearly is a different style of animation yeah. than his two hands. It's really cool what they did with that. My favorite parts of the episode, I, I also love all the video game jokes. My two favorites is the Donkey Kong, but also Dipper using the planks to make it look like he's looking through black borders and he just throws them on the ground. Yeah. Um, the entire fight scene with Dipper and Rumble is just so cool. Like from their little uh, stat bars to like Seuss trying to knock it out and, and everything. But by far... The best throwaway line of this entire episode is Rumble yelling, Take me to the Soviet Union! I like Dipper, that line too. And Dipper going, That's a lot of problems. <laughs> we can't do that. Well, let's get into this. I have a lot of various different notes. Do, do you want to start or me? No, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of notes for this. Okay. So my first note is, I always wondered how well this episode would translate for people who weren't big into video games. 
And a few weeks ago, um, I was watching this episode with my stepmom, who is just not a video game person. And she absolutely enjoyed it. Just And she didn't even need the references to still enjoy the episode. And it made, got me thinking that this is a good way for a show to pay homage to another medium. Because everybody knows the very basics of a video game. Like, they, they know what it looks like, even if they're not gamers. Like, they know, like, tropes of video games because it's just so much in our pop culture. And, yeah, there are a lot of deep-cut jokes for gamers in here. But at the end of the day, this episode is focused on Dipper and the characters of Gravity Falls and why we love Gravity Falls. And the video game stuff with Rumble is just sprinkles on top. So if you get the reference, fine. But they do a good job of keeping the focus on Dipper's story to where you don't need to know video games to understand well, the episode. I don't like the video games that they're referencing in this all come from the 80s and 90s, you know, yeah. they all could plausibly be from a console game. But or I mean, like, you know, a game you would see in an arcade, but like the fighting games could have been a count, but they were all from the eight bit days. So like the target audience when this came out wasn't even alive when these games were out. So I, they yeah. probably played them, you know, online or something, you know, just as a, a joke. But I think the video games just play off. I mean, there's j like if you put a Pac-Man and a Donkey Kong joke in there, 90 percent of everybody in the world is going to get that because... And that's the thing, like, even if someone's not a gamer, people still know what Donkey Kong is. Right, right. And and it's, and it's you know, I mean, it's not, if it was focused on, like, gaming at the time, or, you know, if it was going to be a take on gaming and be timely for when they made it, they would have done it probably on, like, stuff like Donkey Kong Country and first-person shooters. And I'm very surprised Tetris didn't, didn't make an appearance in it. Ah. Uh... It might have been a background joke. There's a lot of background. I was jokes. I was sort of I was sort of expecting it, so I was sort of looking for it, and I never saw any kind of Tetris joke. I'd have to go back and look because there was like something like 25 video game references in this episode, and I only wrote like four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I well, I thought I thought my uh, Nort note was gonna get taken off in the in the beginning part there, but yeah, that's one that didn't make it onto your list, so I got to actually. Use one of my notes. I try to keep it to the ones that actually were like part of the plot. Right. Because there, there was like there was one with Frogger. Uh, Frogger was one. Um, Dance Dance Revolution with Old Man McGucket was one. Mm. But they like, they didn't actually like they weren't part of the actual plot. So I, I try to stick it to those ones. It's it's a nice character building episode, and I like that it's just an adventure. There's no mystery to solve. It's just about Dipper learning to fight his own battles with mixed in with video game jokes. <laughs> Yeah, and it 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 it, it, it throws some nuance onto onto Dipper and Wendy's relationship or potential relationship that they're this one sort of shows uh, maybe they're they are a little more compatible. You know? I disagree with that, but I, I've also never been on the Dipper Wendy train ever. I will, I'm I'm not a, I'm not on either either train, but it, it just seemed like they 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 definitely like definitely are yeah yeah they're clearly it's... compatible as friends I, you know the more i've been thinking about this is how much of gravity falls is from dipper's point of view ever ever i think you brought right. it up in like episode two that dipper was the main character and it, that that has stuck with me ever since you brought that up to the point where the more i watch the show and i and i've been watching season two with my stepmom 
And Dipper really is the main character of this show. And, oh, yeah. And I, don't, I don't think you're going to see, like, Dipper as much on, like, on a side adventure curing Grunkle Stan of his uh, agoraphobia, not agoraphobia, fear of heights, you know? Yeah, and, like, and don't get me wrong, Mabel, Mabel is a huge part of this show, too, and she definitely gets a lot of her time in season two. But as I've been re-watching season two, because, of course, I'm re-watching season one with you, um, I was like, well, yeah, there has to be more Mabel stuff, and there is a lot of Mabel stuff, and she, she she's definitely a very, very important character. But the more I watch this show, I'm starting to realize more and more is Alex Hirsch is writing this from his point of view from adventures that he had with his sister, and with him yeah. writing, Dipper is his character. He yeah. he is the Alex Hirsch character. I and, mean, hon- honestly, he'd be better off putting it from that point of view because it's a point of view he knows. You know, it's based off of his point of view. It's going to be more honest than if he tried to put, play it from Mabel's point of view. Yeah, and, and he definitely works very hard. And I, I, I do think he has consulted like his sister on things, too, because a lot of the references are just stuff from... We're going to get to an episode called Boys Crazy in a few in a few episodes, and it's a Mabel episode. And it's all about pretty much Ariel's adventures growing up being like a fan of like Backstreet Boys <laughs> and stuff. So he does have those callbacks with his sister. I, I just can't shake this of like, I've, ever since you mentioned that, it's absolutely colored my view of this of, yeah, like Dipper really is the main character of the show. With Dipper being a very close second, and I mean very close, like half step down. You mean Mabel, right? Yes, I don't yeah. even know what I said. You said Dipper again. Yes, yeah. he's doubly the main character. <laughs> no, Mabel. Mabel is like the half step down, but it it's just comes from the writing. Um, I do like how this is a continuation of the Dipper being a man storyline and him learning how to be humble because... We saw this with the Banatars, which was him learning how to stick up for himself. And also, it's a nice kind of callback to the Lammy Lammy dance from the convenience store. Because once again, Dipper is again caught in a lie. The two times so far in the show he's been caught in a lie, he either was humiliated or he got his ass beat for it. And it's these are very life... These are kind... Well, not that most people experience video game life lessons. But I, I like that he's... He's not perfect on the first go. Like once after the Lamy Lamy dance, he suddenly is not a lying character because that wouldn't be that wouldn't well, be the, authentic. Yeah. Well, also the life lesson, just because it's a video game taught life life lesson, that's just the that's just you know what's going on in this episode. But you, it's I mean that lesson you could have changed the video game aspect into it to like the like that movie My Bodyguard, and he just hires a big tough kid from the high school to beat up Robbie and, and had the same story, you know? So it's a basic yeah. story. Yeah. Just got the video game element in it. And I like that they're not afraid to uh, beat the crap out of both of those kids' characters. I was like, oh, geez. I, like, I didn't know if they how realistic they were going to go with it. But, you know, I mean, if, they, if you throw somebody 50 feet in the air and they come down on the monkey bars, they're dead. <laughs> but yeah. I like that. I like that. And I mean, when... Dipper's done being beat up. He's all distorted and squashed into the ground and stuff. So I, I like that they g- go for it at that level of cartoonery. They give Dipper the space to backslide. Sure, he learned a lesson with Lamey Lamey Dance, but he does, that doesn't mean he's perfect. And of course, now he's backsliding again to where, once more, he's lying to people to try and get in his way. And then it comes back to bite him. 
it's it's just interesting how like during the 80s and 90 during the 80s more but in the 70s 80s and 90s you know they're very uh conscious about like violence in cartoons and like in bugs bunny cartoons they would cut out uh, in the 80s and 90s they started cutting out when elmer fudd would do a gunshot wound you know a shotgun wound to the head you know a shotgun blast to the head because they didn't want kids thinking that you could survive a shotgun blast to the head and stuff like that it just i just find it funny that like they could have these kids getting the crap beat out of them but they had to have such a battle with, like, you know, the standards department over other stuff. It's definitely, I mean, just look at the comics code. You know, they, they thought that comics were rotting children's brains when actually it's been statistically proven that comic books help teach children how to read. But it's definitely been a shift of several, several studies showing that violence in, like, video games and stuff like that really doesn't have much an effect. Yeah, there is still some effect on people, and, and TV shows do have an influence on people. But when it comes to actual like cartoon violence, it's such a might like a small number of people where this happens to where I don't want to say it's okay, but I mean there, there's at least it's not violence to be violence. See, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, like there's a lesson here, and they're teaching something through this where Dipper gets his ass beat because he got caught up in a lie. And yeah, and it's an exaggerated fight with a a video game character and stuff like that so but like yeah it, it, it was just odd to me because i i was used to like growing up like the the violence in ca- in cartoons be, being very very uh, held back and and cut out from earlier time periods mm-hmm. so and i for I... one am glad to see <laughs> those kids get beat up <laughs> don't take that out of context guys <laughs> I, I will let you know, though, at some point, I think it's in season two, Grunkle Stan does say, Seuss, would it be wrong to punch a child? So there you go. There's your Grunkle Stan moment. Yeah. <laughs> I also do like the fact that Dipper is absolutely horrified when Rumble goes after Robbie. Because Dipper, we've established, is a very kind character. He never at any point wanted Robbie to actually get hurt. And he's horrified when he sees what his actions have brought <laughs> Yeah, he. The, I mean, that this is this is sort of like follows Dipper's character, where he he gets caught up in a moment and does something, but he also you can tell when he's caught up in the moment, he's still still sort of there's still part of him like, uh, like when you know he hits start with uh, on on the game and he's just like okay, and then when he knows that he's gotta lie and be like oh yeah he killed my father you know. He knows he's doing it wrong. And a lot of cartoons, like in The Simpsons or something, you know, the characters just dive right into whenever they do dumb things. But uh, you can almost tell he's going to have to, what what the lesson is and how he's going to have to change his ways when he makes his bad decisions. He doesn't just like, woohoo, make the bad decisions. He He's just sort of like, okay, I can't resist. And then instantly like- regrets it. <laughs> but he also gets excited too, which I yeah. which I also I like that you say he that's caught the, up. That's the only thing that gets him to do it. He gets him excited enough to do it, but he still always he still always has a conscience. He's, he he yeah. doesn't have to rediscover his conscience. He knew he did the wrong thing from the start, but at the end he has to be like, "All right, I'm gonna." And, it, and that's what a kid would do anyway. Kids I was, I, just, I've been waiting to say that. I, I like that you use the words "get caught up" in, in it. Because, like, when they're in the kitchen and he gives Rumble the taco, like, Dipper's just, like, really fascinated. And the yeah. kid's 12. 
And I like, like, I mean, hell, I'm 32. A fucking Link from Zelda popped out of my TV. I'd be freaking out at 32. Yeah, you'd be fascinated. Yeah, I would be. And I, and I like that he still has that, like, 12-year-old reaction of being like, this is awesome. Your pixels are great. This is fun. Whoa, fireballs. And he still has that very 12-year-old reaction until reality crashes back. And then he's just like, oh, God. <laughs> he's got a sword. <laughs> yeah. I love that line too. I'm just like, this street has dangerous litter. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good line. Um, but but really what it boils down to, like, the lesson of the day is there's no cheat codes in life. Life is messy, and that's what he kind of realizes that has to happen with between Wendy and Robbie and Dipper. He's he realizes it's he's not always gonna win this, and life is messy, and he's just gonna have to deal with this this development of Robbie and Wendy. There's no easy way out of that, but something that Gravity Falls does so well and that we'll see uh, over the course of the show is when they start taking these harder life lessons is what makes them grow and become better characters and better people. And, and I like that, that he just kind of accepts that I'm going to have to put up with Robbie if I'm going to be close to Wendy. And it's Well, not he's also be doing the 12-year-old thing of like... And I'm going to be there when you mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've already stated multiple times on the show my feelings about Wendy's writing in season one, so I won't bring it back up again. But yeah, I mean, he he does feel like he's going to be the one to swoop in and quote unquote mm-hmm. save Wendy. And so it's... Or he'll just wait around till she realizes he's Robbie's an idiot or whatever. I mean, Robbie is an idiot. I mean, he's... yeah, I know, but that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the twelve. That that would be the twelve. Different <laughs> mind of a twelve-year-old is just like one day she'll see what a what a fool he is. And in fact, they're all fools. You know, they're all twelve. They're all little kids. Teenage. You know, yeah. so so they're all they're all really kind of idiots. They're all so, little shavers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I do have to wonder about Robbie a little bit though because I don't know where Robbie's jealousy over Dipper is coming from like I get why Dipper is jealous of Robbie because he's with Wendy I don't understand why Robbie is I, I guess he feels- senses and also Robbie is also like I mean he's obviously super super uncomfortable in his own skin and yeah. and doesn't have a lot of self-confidence and all all the stuff you know he's a, he's a teen talker you know so and i'm sh- and like he sees how good how well dipper and and wendy get along and he also knows dipper's on the make so yeah he of course he would be uh, feel threatened by him I'm, I'm very glad you picked up on that with robbie about being uncomfortable in his own skin uh, but yeah, I I agree, and because like even then, like we do see bits of Robbie where he's not a terrible person, like at the end after Dipper's been beat up by Rumble, and he's like, "All right, Robbie, let's fight." Like Dip- Robbie doesn't want to fight Dipper if it's you know we we see that, and he's unsure about that. I, I think he wanted a reason for Dipper to fight him so he could come out on top. But if Dipper wasn't going to fight him, then he realized that he would just be a jerk. You know, he would well, yeah, he, I mean, Robbie has a conscience, too. He can't just pound somebody who's going to sit there and take it. Absolutely. So it's it's very, very subtle, but there's some good Robbie work happening when Robbie is such a trashy character. <laughs> I say trashy with love. I love Robbie. I really do. I love everybody in the show. There's no one on the show I hate. I love Robbie as a trashy goth teen, and I think I think it gets me too because when I was in high school, I for like a year and a half, I was like super gothic, like 
full black lipstick, black nails, wore the black clothes. So, like, the whole, like, I paint for men, I was just like, that was me. <laughs> so I, I do kind of get Robbie on a different level because I've been in his shoes where I was super uncomfortable in my own skin. So I was like, I'm going to be goth and be angsty. But <laughs> my favorite thing ever was I was in high school and I was in a, a some sort of argument with my mom. I don't even remember what it was about. It finally came out to my my mom came up to me and she was like, look, I don't care if you wear black clothes and black lipstick and black nail polish, but stop trying to act sad because you're the happiest person I know. <laughs> so I was a happy goth <laughs> after that. There's lots of happy goths in there. I worked backstage at a Nine Inch Nails concert and Trent Reznor, right, from Nine Inch Nails is the goofiest doofiest happiest friendliest guy you'll ever see Uh, he must get all his it's either he's manufacturing that anger or he gets it all out on stage because backstage he's just like doopy doopy hi how are you hey how's it going you know yeah oh and and i know several happy goths as well like my buddy mark um who actually used to be my manager at hot topic like he's the happiest most loveliest kind of like I wouldn't call him as goth. He's more of that kind of like metal style. He's more metal than yeah, goth. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he is just the sweetest, kindest dude. He will give you his spike shoulder shirt off his back. Mm-hmm. And he's just the sweetest. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I get Robbie. I've, I've been in his position. And I think that's kind of why, like, he's still a jerk. But I do have a little bit of sympathy for him. So... <laughs> Did you have any like particular thoughts on Rumble in general as being like the monster of the week? I think um, I thought I, I, I thought he's he was hilarious. Good, he's he's hilarious. It's it's great because he's just sort of a monochromatic character. He's a video game character, so he's just given. It, what makes him so humorous is he's given such a limited, like not only in what he can do and what he can say. And how he can react, but how he looks and how he can move and everything. And so having him visually come out at still intact as a video game and the character is completely in the parameters of the video game is what makes it like hilarious. I also like how it pulls the video game into the real world. Like when Robbie jumps over the barrels, there's like little 200s that pop over him. Yeah, and- yeah. Oh, it, all, all sorts of things. Yeah, start. Well, that he ha- actually has his own power level and everything. <laughs> and then you have that bizarre scene where Seuss is actually trying to, like, knock his power knock his power level down. And the things, and it, like, it's kind of weird because the thing's actually kind of distorting as he does it, you know. So there's something physical going on there. It was just really surreal. And I just like the little things, like he doesn't have animation to look up and he just kind of falls over and he's flat on the ground because he's 2D. Yeah, yeah, that's the only (laughs) way he can turn his eyes up, yeah. There's so many just like nice little nods and I I love, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. And I mean that in the way of he's so literal and simple and basic that someone who's much more complex like Dipper can take advantage of that and because yeah. rumble deep down is just like a really sweet guy like he wants to help dipper because he thinks yeah. someone killed his father <laughs> because that's the only thing that motivates him any th- way and all he does is beat up people anyway so he's like uh, beat up people and and take in power and and get revenge for killing his father and i liked in the game at the beginning they're like bonus round you killed my father again <laughs> 
I know. <laughs> and also the car scene. The destroying the car scene, which is just such a classic video game trope. <laughs> I loved it. And I've already mentioned I really like the mix animation. I want to talk a second about Seuss. I like Seuss a lot in this episode for two different reasons. One, I just love the opening scene of them all playing cards together. But Seuss was invited to be part of like their family card day. And it shows him be getting to be like part of the Pines family and being that honorary family member and being part of that because no normally if Seuss is there, he's there for work. He's not there just to hang out for them. And th I think this is the first time we've seen Seuss hanging out with them when he wasn't working. Am I? Yeah, but, but am I? Well, right? he's shown up. He's shown up in other ones, you know. But actually, like sitting and hanging out with them. Right. Right. Well, they ended up on his boat hanging out. Oh, in, that's true. In in the one, but that they sort of ended up there. They didn't. They weren't just like hanging out with him. But well, uh, what I there was I can't remember what the line of dialogue was, but I think it was something Sue said that made it seem like he's the same age as Dipper. Like no, he's, he's not. He's older. No, he's no. He's, you, know, you see him later. He's driving the truck. You know, he's yeah. driving a pickup truck. But he says something that that like put like puts him on that same age level. It was really weird, and I'm like, Seuss is supposed. And, and I was thinking to myself, he's supposed to be older than them. And then later on, he's in the car, and I'm like, yeah, I'm right. He is. Uh, he's at least 16. If well, actually, no, even 16, you're not driving a car alone. He's Seuss is an adult. I I think he's in his 20s, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so so it, it's weird. So I think they were just alluding to like maybe mentally he's more childlike, but we've already determined that he's not dumb or anything at yeah. all. Actually, he's probably one of the smarter and more well-adjusted characters. I'm I'm trying to think of what line you're talking about because that doesn't ring a bell with me. I can't remember what it was, but it was something that made it seem like he was more of a peer of Dipper than like a, an older kid, you know? I think they're definitely friends, though. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Sue seems like the kind of person who could just be a general comfortable friend with anybody of any age. As a matter of fact, like him being included in the family there, I think he was around before Dipper and Mabel were. So he was probably hanging around with Stan before that. Yeah, because and, and uh, that's a good point that he can really because he clearly gets along with Stan. I mean, I, I imagine this card game probably went with them sitting down to play cards and the kids wanted Seuss to come over. Right. But but Stan is comfortable enough with Seuss around that he would be like, yeah, I'll sit in my boxers in front of Seuss and I'll be or fine. Or maybe, maybe he and Seuss have had a running game for years. I definitely love him being kind of like that honorary Pines family mm -hmm. member. And I also like him in The Adventure. This is... Because Mabel, th I think this is the first time that it's just been Seuss and Dipper together. And Seuss is very much in, in Mabel's place on this adventure and being Dipper's backup and yeah. his, in his side, his, well, he says it himself. He's like, can I be your side character? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Seuss gets to really step up and go on his first, like, super real adventure with the kids. Um, yeah, and they, yes, they had the Gobblewonker and they did that, but like just Seuss and Dipper and really established that relationship that they have together. And I like that Seuss just kind of rolls with it. They're chasing a video game guy down the street. That's just another day at Gravity Falls. And Seuss just rolls with it. And he's just like, hey, man, get in my truck. Let's go. <laughs> and he's he's a really good support character in this and really playing that supporting Mabel role for Dipper this week. Mm -hmm. 
Did you have any thoughts about the B-plot with Maple and Stan conquering Stan's fear of heights? No, it was pretty basic. It was... It, I didn't think it was especially memorable. You know what I mean? How it, how it all went down, you know? It wasn't bad. It was just not like... It was just sort of like a fluffy side sidebar, you know, B-plot. Yeah, I, I did like the moment where she gives him high heels and he's like, You shouldn't have! Really, you shouldn't have. What is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. They could have. I mean, I, I think they could have been more inventive. They could. I, I would have rather it have been a whole series of short, like inventive, just joke gags of Mabel getting Uncle Stan, Grunkle Stan, in a series of more ridiculously, you know, high places, tossing him out of an airplane with a parachute and stuff like that. Something I also, because I, I don't think Dipper even knew that Mabel and Stan were on top of the water tower. I, I almost would have liked for him to have seen them and be like, oh my god, it's not just Robbie. Now this is affecting my family too. That yeah. that could have been a nice little B-plot as well to kind of get to, to tie yeah. the two plots together so they weren't so That's di- what I like think different. they were trying to do uh, to tie the two plots together, but it didn't really do it. You know, it brought yeah. them into the same place, but it did not tie them together in any coherent way. They, yeah. they stayed their own plots. Though I do have to say, uh, Grunkle Stan blindfolded the kids to go to the lake in the Gobblewumpker episode, and now Mabel blindfolded Stan to get them on top of a water tower. So they should just know by now that blindfolds are not a good thing in this family. <laughs> and I and I think we've sort of established by now that like Grunkle Stan never seems to be around or see any of the monster of the week type paranormal aspects of the show he's he's always off someplace else while all that stuff happens there's never like seeing him dealing with the clones or being like well how did you get copies of your you know so it's they're they're keeping him plausibly in the uh, dark in the dark yeah yeah the only real question i had about that though um not not about that point but about the mabel and stan plot is pretty much so far in the first 10 episodes a lot of the side B plots are with Maple and Stan. We saw this like with the Lazy Susan crush and stuff like that. So Maple and Stan are spending a lot of time together, and they're definitely developing a real like a deep relationship together. And they're very similar characters. But we're not seeing this time with Stan and Dipper spending all this extra time together. Do you think that's going to affect the story in any way? No, I think that like almost plays into the dynamics of the characters of mabel and dipper whereas mabel is more in people's business and and grunkle stan is also like a manly grumpy guy so he needs like it's gonna work out more because mabel is actually going to like press him to spend time together you know like be like you and what you know be like oh grunkle stan's scared of heights i'm gonna fix it whereas I think they're trying to portray Dipper as being more of like the the young version of Grunkle Stan to where the you know they're sort of like hey how's it going you know Yeah <laughs> Mabel is actively interested in interacting with people more and That's getting, really getting in their business That's a really good point cuz we we have seen Stan step in in key moments for Dipper like in the Manitar episode, where at the end he was just like, you stood up for what you believed in, that makes you a man. And Dipper was like, thanks, Grunkle Stan. Um, so we have seen him right. step in. But it's in like a manly moment. It's like a male bonding moment. So that, that's a really good point. I didn't think of it that way, of from the point of view of the twins, where Mabel would just be like, let me just get in everyone's business. She Which, is like that. She's 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 
genuinely like curious and enthusiastic about other people. So she wa I, I mean, I've known people like that. I've known people like that who had to like when you went to the through the, the toll booth on the thruway, they would be like, How was your day? Do you enjoy your day? you know, and start asking questions to the you know, wanting to get to know the person in the in the toll booth. So Yeah. I think Mabel's one of those people. Oh my gosh. I'm trying now imagining Mabel working at toll booth and like the line of traffic backing up because she needs exactly, every Exactly, because she's talking support. to everybody. Yeah. I, I've worked with people like that in retail, which which is fine when you're slow, but when you're busy, you can't do that. No, yeah, yeah. They they become that they, they become a liability after in those circumstances. Um, but did you have any other notes about the episode? Not really. I sort of worked it. I only had the, all the all the other stuff I sort of worked in to your notes. The only other note I had was just a quick little visual note is lumberjack guy in that shot. He looks like Bluto from Popeye with red hair. It looks like they just put like made made him off the Bluto model. So I thought that was really cool. Manly Dan was in this episode. Yeah, he was standing in the background. And just just for a quick second, I think he even might. I don't even know if he if he said anything or something, but that he and his and his kids were standing in the background in one scene. Oh, probably when they were running through town. And he and he looked like a red oh, okay. red haired Bluto. He that was basically the-, the model of Bluto with red hair. Well, if that's it for that, now we're going to move to our new segment where I'm going to read a segment from the journal about this episode. So this is from Dipper's point of view. Um, I will note that some of these in the future, they'll be from the author's point of view. I will designate when they're the author and when they're Dipper. I will also be very careful not to spoil Chris. I spent a good chunk of... I, I spent a good chunk of Tuesday of like, okay, how do I do this without spoiling Chris? So <laughs> so this is from journal number three, from Dipper's point of view, about this episode. And it says, Rumble McSkirmish, a super power ninja turbo neo ultra hyper mega multi alpha meta extra uber prefix nightmare. Okay, so long story. But I kind of conjured my favorite arcade game character into the real world to try and be my bodyguard. But instead of guarding my body, he punched it to a pulp. Turns out the only way to beat him is to let him beat you. And then the game resets. I may need to reset my spine after today. He says his name is short for Rumble Francis Melee Fisticuff Slapfight McSkirmish. Claims his true name can only be spoken by the greatest of warriors or anyone who can insert four quarters now. And then it has a side view of him because he's 2D. And it says side views of so thin even after eating all those tacos and power-ups. His bandana is red because it's soaked in the blood of his enemies. Or maybe it's just soaked in tomato juice. That would be way less cool. His hair is always blowing in the wind, even when there is no wind. His eye patch flips sides every time he turns around. I may need to write the game company to complain about this dumb animation era. He also has a red belt. Is it also soaked in blood? This blood wardrobe thing is pretty creepy now that I think about it. Always bare-chested, when I try to give him shirts to wear, he destroys it with a fireball. The jacket edge on his body is real. Not just a bad drawing by me. He is made out of pixels, and they are very sharp. So that is the journal entry for this episode about about Mr. Rumble Francis Melee Fisticuff Slapfist McSkirmish. I think this is the first that and in in the cartoon was the first time you ever really like heard anybody describe what a pixel felt like. I know. 
I, I, that's such a it's good kind of nice cool. Little, that's such a nice little detail of like, ow, your yeah. pixels are sharp. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, my favorite segment now is part three, your speculation and theories corner. I do have a question I want to throw out, but I wanted to first see if you had any new speculations. Well, you know, obviously I could say, oh, the video game character is coming back, but I think we're going to have an episode someday where Robbie and, and Dipper, if not, don't necessarily become best pals, but they bond in some adventure and, and actually become like grudging friends. I'm, I'm, see, I'm predicting it in the future. Okay. I predict since that's this segment. <laughs> okay. So here's here's my question I wanted to throw out. We had a rampaging video game character in the real world that went right through the middle of town ripping it apart. And so it's pretty much like a monster rampaging through the town. What do you do you think that there are going to be implications to that or do you think it's just going to be brushed under the rug? What are your uh... thoughts on that? I think this town brushes a lot, necessarily would have to brush a lot of r- under the rug. You don't hear people talking about the sea monster all the time, just in that one episode. So I have a feeling that we might see some of the da- damage in the background, just as like an Easter egg and stuff. But I don't think, uh, you know, maybe there might be a passing reference to it. But it seems to me like in in, in the structure of how the world of gravity falls works is is once the episode's done it's not that it didn't happen because they obviously keep continuity of the stuff in it but the town doesn't doesn't really uh just moves on to the next (laughs) weird i you know i mean you get the the um idea that it's been like if you live in this town you're just used to a certain level of weirdness because i'm gonna throw a little wrench out there from robbie because Robbie says to Dipper in this episode, why does weird things like ghosts and video game characters always happen around you? Meaning he remembers the ghost from a few episodes. Right, ago. right, right. Well, that's as I say. It's not that it didn't happen, but in the real world, if if that had happened to a real group of teenagers, they would never shut up about it for to anybody. You'd never shut up about it for the rest of your life. I'd be writing books about the haunted, you know... I would be, be like, let's get some paranormal investigation gear and do a do a investigation of this or something. You know, I would be obsessed with with any one of those things that happened in this and trying to stock it. I'd be hunting gnomes for the rest of my life to capture a gnome and bring it to MIT or whatever. You know, you or Harvard love or those something. gnomes. So they have to. They, I, I mean, they can't conform to real reality. I think in this town, there's a lot of leeway for. So they, they could talk about ghosts like that, but I mean, that could very well have been a, like, ever, like, this is like at that party and blah, 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 fell in the pool. Why is it always messed up things happen? You know, it has that same level of conversation, except it's about ghosts. Okay. So. Cool. I can't say anything else. Okay. Did you have any other speculations or theories? Nope. That's it. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't a very, like, lore building episode. No. All right, well, now we're going to go to part four, which is the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. There is actually a connection to this previous to this episode from last week's episode, which was the time-traveling pig. So in the scene where Blinden Blandon is trying to adjust his camouflage suit, it flashed several images as he was trying to adjust it. One was the Gobblewonker, 
But another image was the arcade from this episode, so it was a hint that we would be coming to the arcade. A little flash forward, yeah. Um, and there is one more image that was flashed in, and we'll get to that one as well. And as always, there's a cryptogram at, at the end of the credits, and when it's deciphered, it reads, Sorry, Dipper, but your Wendy is in another castle, which is a reference to Super Mario Brothers' line, Thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. Yep. <laughs> I, I do wish there was like an, uh, uh, an excuse me, Wendy line there. That would have been so good. I would have died. That, cause that's such, but that's such a deep cut Zelda joke. It's not even like in the Zelda. Isn't this, that was the Zelda cartoon. The excuse me, princess. If, if there was just an excuse me, Wendy. See, I I'm old. Just I just think, I, I think of that as a Steve Martin joke. <laughs> oh, just just look up "Excuse Me, Princess" and there's a supercut of every time Link said "Excuse Me, Princess" in the Zelda cartoon, and it was a lot, and it's ridiculous because every single time he just goes "Excuse Me, Princess." It's great. So, Chris, guess what? What? We got some comments. All right. So, I've been trying to figure out the best way of how to do comments for this podcast. Because it's coming out at two different times. Of course, patrons get this early. And then um, the public show comes out like four episodes behind. So at the moment, I'm just kind of going to just take them as we get them. And once I figure out a better system, then cool. Um, The best way to comment, if you're a patron, you can comment just up on the episode in the Patreon. Because it makes it nice and easy for me to find. And if you're not a patron... I know Podbean has a place where you can comment, but just to make everything easy, just comment on the Geeky Girl Experience website on the episode. Um, That would make it just really easy for me to find, because then I can just pull up the episode on the website, and it'll be right there, and it'll be lovely, and that'd be great. Our comments come from our lovely patron, Kate, one of my dearest friends, and I love her so much. And she left us uh, comments on three different episodes. So you ready? Oh yeah, I'm ready. So the first one is for the inconveniencing. And she says, sorry for the late comment. I got super behind on life, including podcasts. That said, the episodes continue to be great. Since this one is, as y'all pointed out, the first horror TM episode, I just wanted to say that I think Gravity Falls does a great job of walking the line of what horror is appropriate for a children's show. And she has that in quotes. They understand better than a lot of actual horror film creators that things can be horrifying, even grotesque, without resorting to the shock value, grim, dark blood and gore. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they could <laughs> on Disney either. But, but so much like I, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, so I won't be an expert on this. The ones I have watched, the ones I find more terrifying are the ones that are just tension. Half of like what. It's not quite horror, but something about, like, looking at something like Cloverfield, you don't see the monster until the end. What's horrifying is you're just getting, or something like Jaws, you know? Jaws is tense because you never actually really see the shark, except for a couple times, but it's just the tension of knowing it's nearby. Yeah. Or if you're playing a game like uh, P.T., there's really not many monsters. There's, like, a little fetus in the sink, and then there's a ghost, occasionally, but most of the time, it's just the atmosphere that's scary about PT. So, yeah, I mean, Gravity Falls does it really, really well. Yeah, well, I mean, in the end, it's a comedy, and it's for kids. So yeah. you can... 
I mean, they could get scarier. There, there's been more horrifying stuff for kids, but it's usually like a standalone story, like a scary animated version of uh, A Christmas Carol or something like that, which is like when you watch it, that's really scary. But it's, mm -hmm. you know, but kids love it. But like, I don't know if it would be too much if you had a, a whole series with, with that with that grim and dark real horror every week mm -hmm. there's always you, you almost always have to even put a like a bane of comedy i think the closest maybe that it ever got to that was maybe goosebumps or something like that yeah which or also or still you... had a good amount of comedy in it you know to yeah or are you afraid of the dark on nickelodeon yeah. yes yes um kate's next comment is for double dipper and she says, I fully did not think of Paper Jam Dipper as neurodivergent. That's a really good observation. Also, he reminds me a bit of Bunny from Powerpuff Girls, if you remember that episode. Great podcast for a great episode. Yeah, I, it's been so long since I have seen the episode of Bunny with the Powerpuff Girls, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and I need to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> did you ever see that episode? I have not so pretty much what they do is they the Powerpuff Girls, gosh, it's been like well over a decade since I've seen this one. Um, they want to make another sister and they make a sister in a lab and she's just this, I don't want to say a Frankenstein version of them, but she's just like really big and hulking and uh, like speaks in very simple sentences and they treat her, gosh, it's been a decade. Um, I know they're like super, like they love her, but everybody else has difficulty with her. And that's really all I remember from watching it when I was much younger. So it was a really good episode. I, I know what you're talking about, Kate. And finally, the other one uh, comment is for Irrational Treasure. And it was talking about some of the movies that we referenced. So she said, National Treasure, being the Nicolas Cage movie, is enjoyable but dumb. The Mummy is fantastic. I absolutely agree. And doesn't make the questionable claims to historical accuracy that National Treasure does. Though it certainly isn't super cerebral, cerebral or anything. I thankfully have never seen nor read The Da Vinci Code. You're not missing anything in the movie, game. As a book, it's an enjoyable read of a book because it's one of those page-turner, just sort of spy novel things. And it was an extra big hit when it came out because it just was a novel idea at the time. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not great literature, but it is a it is a fun book. It's a lot more fun than the movie. The movie was just dumb. The book is yeah. dumb too, but you don't have time to. It's one of those every chapter is a cliffhanger, so you just don't have time to question anything. You're just being driven ahead in the story from beginning to end, and then you're done with it in two days. But I do agree. The Mummy is a fantastic movie. It's one of my personal favorites. Oh my god. I still have never seen The, the Mummy. I, I, I plan on watching it because I remember when it came out and people were like, I thought it was going to be dumb, but it was fun, like a like sort of like a B-movie Indiana Jones. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And Brendan Fraser's a, a, an appealing actor. He's always just like a fun actor to watch. Sort Brendan like Fraser lot. is a national treasure in that movie. <laughs> but he's not in National Treasure. No, but he is a national treasure. Yes. yes. As a person, not he's a national treasure. Yeah, but, but not to be <laughs> Not to be confused that he's in National Treasure. Although I think Nick Cage, Cage is a National Treasure too, but maybe not in National Treasure. You know, I'm not the... Nick Cage is very hit or miss for me. I either... And most of the time it's miss. 
I there's just I'm not I've never been able to super dig him. And he has had some good things that I've seen him in, but for the most part, he's a very miss actor for me. I'm just not, he's not my jam. Some actors are just not your jam, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure he's a nice guy, just he doesn't jimmy the jams for me. Not my jimmy jams. Well, thank you so much for your comments, Kate. We love, I love you. I, Chris doesn't know you. I love you. <laughs> and yeah, so Patreon. I appreciate her comments, Hope. You appreciate her comments. I do. That's, yeah. You do that. It sounds like I'm trying to give Thrawn a compliment, but. (laughs) All right. So moving on. Well, I would love to take a moment to thank my wonderful patrons. I love you guys so much. I love you forever and always. And you guys mean the world to me. And just the deepest thanks to Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Bree, Alex, Kate, and Heather. I love you guys. You guys mean everything to me. You guys are just keep me going and your encouragement is great and I love you and I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to you guys and you're the best. I love you so much. So, all right. Well, did you have anything else? Not really. All right. Well, what were your final thoughts on the episode? I liked it a lot. I li- I it, it was a refer- it referenced a lot of stuff from my time period and it was just a good fluffy fun episode. It, and just very well the, the more I'm watching this, the more I appreciate the, the, the work they put into the production in this, especially with like the sound design and stuff. It wasn't it would have been cool enough just to have a video game character like in a normal cartoon. He sort of would have come out and been like a cartoon character. He would have been the real world version of it. But it, it wasn't enough just to bring him out as a pixelated version. But they like when there was action involving him, they used real like. They, they made video game music for it. It's very nice. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and that's how I feel about it. Like, this episode's a lot of fun. It's a great homage to video games, but none of the jokes are, like, super deep cut to where, like, normal people couldn't enjoy this episode because it's still grounded in Gravity Falls, and we're grounded in Dipper's story. And the and video games in it figure enough into the story that you could know nothing about video games and get enough of it to yeah. have fun. Yeah, they, they, they set it up really nicely, like, even with just Robbie jumping over barrels. If you didn't know that that was Donkey Kong, they've already set up in the story that this video game is bleeding into the real world, so that kind yeah, of thing would yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, but let's, and, be, let's be honest, I, I, I'm thinking 90% of the world knows that's Donkey Kong anyway, so... Oh yeah, but in case they didn't, it's, it's at least yeah. set up in the story. And it's a really nice continuation of Dipper learning to stand up for himself. And I really love Seuss in this episode and seeing him being in the Mabel role. And Rumble's just a hell of a lot of fun. Every line that comes out of his mouth is just so funny. I love Rumble McSkirmish so much. (laughs) See, it's funny because I thought this was going to be a parody of Fight Club. And I'm like, are they going to be parodying an R-rated movie for this? Which I I could see it happening. But then then as soon as I saw the video games, I'm like, ah, okay, it's Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering because when you said Fight Club last time, I was like, "Mm." (laughs) well, that's all I have. So where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's where all our podcasts are, including Jay Guys and Jedi, the other podcast I do with Hope Mullinex. Mm-hmm. We're hoping Chris watch Star Wars cartoons, and we will be watching all the Star Wars cartoons and even The Mandalorian, which isn't a cartoon, but it's felonious. so we're watching it. 
you can subscribe to our podcast there at iTunes. You can also see when all our podcasts come out on Facebook, on our Facebook page, the Two True Freaks podcast. Or you can just go to a, a casual hangout at the Two True Freaks Cantina. And we are also on Twitter, Two True Freaks by Twitter, run by the legendary Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene. <laughs> well, as for me, of course, this is the animation podcast for GeekyGirlExperience.com. Um, you can find all my writing there. I do reviews, discussions. My brand is animation, Star Wars, and queer discussions. And that's where you can see my brand. Um, you can also find me at on Twitter at HopeMolinax. I, as Chris says, we do Jagas and Jedi, and I run our Jagas and Jedi Twitter accounts. And I also have fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. And you can find my fanfiction there as well. Um, and you know what, you guys, if you like this show, share it with a friend. You know, yeah. tell people about us. Yeah. 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 That'd be really cool. Well, you want to hear the title of what we'll be talking about next time? Yes. Next time's episode is called Little Dipper. Uh, uh, I figured there had to be a Big Dipper, Little Dipper title at some time. It's too much of a slam dunk. Any any thoughts about what next week's might be about? It's going to be like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, maybe? Can't say anything. I will not confirm or deny. Honey, I Shrunk the Dipper? Will not confirm or deny. So I guess you'll have to see next week. I will. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you are actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website Geeky Girl Experience with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.